Hey guys, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for tuning in with your lovely ears. I am working on getting these episodes available in writing. Um, transcribing episodes takes a really long time, so I'm hoping that you can find some sort of software to help me do it, or if I have to do it by hand, I'll do it by hand. But I was thinking the other day while I was driving that I should probably make this, well, hopefully make this information um, available to the people of the hard of hearing community and people who have learning disabilities who need something on paper in order to visualize or need to um, go through the material on their own time in order to understand. I'm there. I'm right there with you and I'm working on getting it out there for you guys. So just thank you so much for all of your patience. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be talking to you. I have to say the last two weeks has been somewhat of a struggle. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> if I said that I've been perfectly happy in the last two weeks, I would be very much really not telling the truth here. There have been ups, there have been downs, um, personal stuff with my family, stuff going on at work. Then there's also, you know, the internal issues of trying to find peace in such a chaotic place. And, um, you know, I have to say it does kind of feel like the harder I work, when my depression hits or when it comes up again, it's not as strong anymore. So I'm in, I'm thankfully in a place where I can finally, where I don't feel like I'm underwater anymore. And I think that's a big part of mindfulness. It's a big part of understanding yourself and it's a big part of forgiving yourself too. So, um, and I'm sharing this in hopes that you know, people who are feeling this way as well can find a little bit of relief. You're not alone. <laughs> I know that uh, it's been rough. Um, we try, we all try very, very hard to do the right thing. And it kind of sometimes just doesn't feel like it might be enough. Or if it, or if it does, it does also seem like nobody's really noticing. And I just want to say that I notice. I can tell the positive energy from here is just, it's very uplifting. And I just want to thank you guys so much for being a part of this community. Um, like I said before, just make sure that you are subscribed, make sure that you are following, make sure that you are sharing this episode out to the people you think it will help. Um, or don't. Whatever you want to do, really. Um, so today we're going to talk about something that is super important. I feel um, it's a great opportunity to talk about this understanding the timing of things. So I'm just going to start reading my notes here. The first up is to say hello to everyone. So hello again. The second is to thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and so as we find out more news about COVID, we also find out that it is behaving exactly like a virus would. There was a post on my feed recently, and I don't know if you've, you've probably seen it. It said, in the headline specifically, about 78 or 80% of COVID survivors endure inflammation to the heart. Viruses cause inflammation because it is part of the way our bodies try to respond to infection. Like when you get a bug bite or you get a scrape on your skin, the skin around it becomes hot to the touch or is more possibly red and puffy. When any virus infects the lining of our organs, it is completely normal for our organs to endure inflammation in order to fight the infection. So just try to remember that when there is new news about, or new information about the effects of COVID-19, it is easy to automatically think that this is such a powerful bug that there is no hope. But there is. 
There's great hope because our bodies can do amazing things with what we give them. This episode of Culturally Buzzed, we will cover ways in which our immunity is weakened and ways in which we can counteract that and get our immunity back on track. I never got to take an immunology class during any during any of my undergrad training, so I got a hold of a textbook and read about it while I was studying genetics and stem cells. And by coincidence, just by coincidence, all those subjects kind of overlap when it comes to your immunity, so we'll probably cover a little bit of everything today. First, we're going to cover some common misconceptions and assumptions people have about their immune system. So myth number one, the more active your immune system is, the healthier you will be. This is actually false for a number of reasons. The first is that an overactive immune system creates bad effects on the body. Hyperactive response of the immune system can create allergic reactions, for example. Those types of reactions increase your airflow, they increase hives, and actually they, they decrease airflow. They increase hives and increase puffy eyelids. Anyway, you get the point. There's a multitude of things that can happen when your immune system becomes overactive. So a lifestyle that reduces the ability to come into contact with toxins and infections will automatically improve your immunity. Having a plant-based diet with protein being about only 10% of the diet is more than enough to help keep your immunity up. Myth number two, more minerals and vitamins, the better. This is also false for a number of reasons. Your body has a great way of filtering out excess vitamins and minerals through urination and waste. And that means that you can have a thousand milligrams of specific vitamin and your body will probably only use 20 to 120 milligrams and the rest will be filtered out or some will actually accumulate in, in your body to create really bad health effects. For example, getting too much vitamin C actually leads to chest pain and difficulty breathing. I found that out the hard way, actually. I went to the doctors and told them my, all of my symptoms, and they said, well, we can't really figure anything out. There's a possibility that it was a blood clot, but then I went home and I checked all the vitamins that I was taking, and it turned out that I was taking too much vitamin C, a daily intake of 750 milligrams, and that, in return, actually caused me to have really heavy breathing. My chest was hurting. It felt like I had some sort of problem with my heart, but really it was just the fact that I was taking too much vitamin C. Anyway, that's a little bit of an embarrassing tidbit there. <laughs> um, and also, for example, getting too much vitamin D will directly influence your body's ability to absorb nutrition and other minerals and vitamins. So I'm sure you guys have heard that vitamin D is the happy molecule. It's along with other happy molecules, but it's one of the ones that has the ability to affect your way of happiness, your way of memory, your way of um, connecting with others. And it, it's this little thing that does such great things for your body. But sometimes what happens is that people are unaware that they're already getting enough vitamin D. And so they take more vitamin D. And it turns out that the more vitamin D you absorb over a specific threshold actually lowers your ability to absorb other types of nutrients that you need. So it's kind of like a catch-22, 21. I don't know the number, but you get my point. It's a double-edged sword in some way, shape, or form. You can have enough of it, but once it starts to accumulate in your body past a certain point, it could actually end up influencing you worse. So we'll get to a lot of what you can do to counteract this kind of stuff in a little bit. 
but we're going to go to myth number three right now. Myth number three is that vaccines cause health risks. So even though every health behavior has risks and benefits, vaccines' adverse effects are one in every million. If, you, if everyone is to get a vaccine out of the 7.5 billion people on this planet, 75 people would have some sort of side effect. 75 people still matter. And we should all do our best to practice safe habits for our immunity so that it reduces the likelihood that other people around us get sick. This involves a lot of personal responsibility. One, taking the necessary steps to use less harmful chemicals. And this really relies on your ability to kind of observe your surroundings a little bit. Um, I'm not very good at this, but sometimes I do see people who are... um, For example, if you go to, say, the nearest grocery store and you get um, anything prepackaged, it's probably in plastic, it's probably in foil, it's probably in some sort of styrofoam, um, and all those different things are used to package mostly everything that we eat, and all of those different things also bring toxins. So plastic, um, any sort of styrofoam, any sort of paper that's used to wrap your food in or to carry your food in. For example, if you go to the nearest gas station and get yourself a a cup, it's probably made out of styrofoam. Um, If you are using utensils given to you by the person at the drive-thru, you're probably using plastic utensils. All of those different things introduce harmful chemicals right into your food and then right into your body when you eat that food. And... So it's really important to be observant. That's why a lot of the issue when it comes to single-use products need to be, it, it needs to be a topic of conversation when it comes to immunity, when it comes to health. And I don't think people are talking about this. Um, there is such a thing as bioaccumulation. You definitely can get too much of this absorbed into your system and you can pass it on to your children. Or, which is more important, It can get to such a toxic level that you are being poisoned. And um, it's just very important to, again, be observant of when you start to use these products and try to make the switch over to to products that are essentially not single use because the things that are meant to last are actually a little bit more cleanly and do not have as much chemicals in them. Um, Reducing your time around others that are sick is also super important. Your immune system is like, it's such a wonderful thing, but your body in general takes on, like understands, I'm not really sure how to say this, but it understands nonverbal cues very well. So for example, like if you look at, if you even just look at pictures of somebody that looks sick, your immune system responds to that. I know it's insane, but your immune system right away will respond. You like it will elevate your fever. It will elevate your body temperature. You will start to sweat more. You will start to have more circulation in your body. If you even hear somebody cough in the same room as you, your immune system is right away alerted and says, "Okay, there's a chance that there's something in the air. So now I have to pick up the pace. And so it's important, very, very important that you don't surround yourself with people who are sick, because, again, you are going to. Even though maybe you've had the flu before or you've um, constantly, or you're just somebody who's always healthy. Again, it's always just really important not to put yourself in situations like that because your your immune system is going into overdrive at that point when it doesn't need to be. 
Um, number three, a diet rich in plant foods with less protein than you would think. Yeah, that's a really big one. We're going to get into diet later on in this episode, so I'm going to breeze right through that for right now, but we will come back to this, I promise. Getting the right amount of vitamins and minerals. Again, it is always super important. Magnesium, zinc, all of those different ones are really good for your immune system. And so, again, all of these different things will be introduced to you through your diet. So it's always really good to have a well-rounded diet with a little bit of variety, which also includes eating less meat. Um, Getting vaccines if and when it is appropriate. Again, we will um, talk about vaccines in a little bit, but vaccines are are harmless. <laughs> they do not cause such adverse effects like autism, for example. Um, autism, I know specifically, is uh, genetic. And so there's no way that um, a vaccine introduced into your body alters your entire genetic system in, or your entire genetic genome, your existence in general. There's no way that that occurs. So um, there's no link between autism and vaccines, and it's, it's very unfortunate that there was such a big spread of, of that in the early 2000s. Um, okay, so we're going to get on with the next part. So Western medicine would agree with these conditions. Harmful chemicals are found to be corrosive to your skin um, and the lining of your esophagus and nasal passages. And our skin is the first line of defense. When there are constant chemicals that are breaking down our skin, it increases the chance of infection. And harmful chemicals that produce fumes or are gaseous irritate the lining of our esophagus, nasal passages, and lungs. This also leads to easy contraction of infections due to the viruses that can live outside of the body and linger within our atmosphere or on our surfaces and can be potentially inhaled. When the lining of our nasal passages our lungs are, or our lungs are influenced, it, in, it leaves our bodies vulnerable to contraction because that line of defense is now compromised. When a virus infects you. It doesn't necessarily just like infect your immune system. What it does is it infects your physical organs specifically. So for example, if you take, um, take into consideration a virus that causes heavy breathing, why you are having trouble breathing is because it is actually using the lining of your lungs as a way to access the cells there. It's infecting the cells and then having other cells reproduce itself. That's how viruses work. Viruses are very, very capable of reproducing themselves by infecting the host. And so, again, it's always really important to protect the lining of your lungs, to protect the lining of your nasal passages. Um, I know that sometimes I get a really dry nose, especially when the air is really, really dry. So what I do is I take a little bit of saline solution, which is um, water and salt. I almost said water and sugar. It is not water and sugar. It is water and salt. (laughs) And you kind of, it's, this is kind of a little TMI here, but you spritz, you pretty much put it into your nose and you, again, try to hydrate the skin inside the lining of your nose. So that way it's has enough of, um, it's, it's hydrated enough so that it can defend against infections or it can defend against, you know, that one cold that you didn't get last week. You know, it's just, so again, it's really important to, hydrate. So in order to keep your skin healthy, you definitely have to use some sort of lotion, some short, some sort of nourishing cream, and it doesn't have to be expensive or anything like that. Sometimes what I do is I put um, sesame oil on my skin before I shower, and it, it really, really helps. Um, and it also kind of gets the lubricants into 
um, your joints, for example, uh, because again, like your body is really good at absorbing things it needs to absorb. And so it's, it's one of those things where you have to, not a lot of people think about, not a lot of people talk about this. So that's why I'm bringing it up to your attention right now that the lining of your skin and the lining of your lungs, the lining of your throat area, the lining of your nose, those are all really important to keep your immunity up. So make sure you're drinking enough water and make sure that if your nose is a little bit dry that you, you know, wash it out. It doesn't even have to be water with salt, but just wash it out enough so that it is rehydrated again so that your line of defense is up and running just in case you encounter someone that doesn't have a mask on or just in case you encounter someone who didn't know that they were sick. So reducing your time around others is important to reduce your likelihood of infection. People who become sick usually contract the infection from someone else. Viruses and bacteria rarely survive in places with little human contact. In my conservation biology class, we learned that population density directly contributes to increase in ailments from widespread infection. Meaning that in places with high foot traffic, cities with the most people living in close quarters, those are hotbeds for viral and bacterial infection. So that means that if you care about your immune system health, the best thing to do is to limit your contact with people during flu seasons. For example, we have two a year. And do not visit places with common touch points that are not regularly disinfected or cleaned with, with chemicals that won't hurt you. So eating a well-balanced diet, eating a well <laughs> eating a well-balanced diet will allow your body to turn nutrients into immunity. Our bodies are strictly magic that way. There are at least six food substances in our modern diet today that increase inflammation. And an increase inflammation means that it's harder for your immune system to fight the good fight. So we're gonna now go over um, a little bit about. We're going to go over a little bit about the foods that cause inflammation because I can't necessarily tell everybody what to eat. Everybody's bodies are a little bit different, but I can tell you that these are specifically common food items or common things that are in everybody's diet. And all of these different sort of items have been linked in many research studies as a way to increase inflammation. And when you, again, increase inflammation, you are lowering your immune system response because your body's already on overdrive with all of these different things that are bothering it. So there are at least six food substances in our modern diet today that increase, increase inflammation. Inflammation due, to diet, inflammation due to diet will directly influence the way your body will have an immune response. So the first thing on the list is sugar and high fructose corn syrup. I can talk about these two things for days, but I'm not gonna. I'm sure you've heard of everything in moderation, but when sugar and high fructose corn syrup is in everything we eat, it's no longer moderation. It's just denial. Let's face it. <laughs> so there have been studies that indicate high fructose corn syrup leads to an increase in low-density cholesterol, triglycerides, and a, a, this one is a little bit hard to say, a, pol, a, a polyprotein B. Polyoprotein B. Alongside that, high fructose corn syrup has been found to reduce your liver cells' sensitivity to insulin. That means that right away, introducing sugar and high processed sugar and high fructose corn syrup into your diet will lead to high blood sugar, will then 
increase your insensitivity to insulin, and that will result in sugar diseases like diabetes. Diabetes will cause an excess of inflammation in the body and will definitely change your response when it comes to infections. Artificial trans fats has been linked to increasing inflammation as well as heart disease. Artificial trans fats are found in vegetable shortening, popcorns, margarine, butter, vegetable oils, fried fast food, bakery products, non-dairy coffee creamer, potato, corn chips, meat pies, sausage rolls, sweet pies, pizza, canned frosting, crackers. Again, it's everywhere. (laughs) So do your best to try in some way, shape, and form to not allow this into your diet or to have a strict amount of it. Refined processed carbohydrates are found in candy, bread, pasta, pastries, cereal, cake, soft drinks, and are directly related to reducing healthy gut bacteria. Healthy gut bacteria is everything when it comes to providing a good immune system. Gut bacteria is important to have because it leads to healthy digestion and overall wellness and nourishment. Food with refined sugars decrease the good bacteria and directly relate to inflammation of the gut, inflammatory bowel disease, and obesity. All these conditions influence the way your body fights off infection. So yes, having a diet is so important. Having a well-rounded diet is even more important, and you definitely, definitely, definitely cannot choose to skip out on having good gut bacteria. High alcohol consumption has also been linked to inflammation and organ damage. So if you are a, if you are technically female, you can only have one drink per day. If you are male, you can have two. That will help, that will provide health benefits without causing any sort of organ damage or any sort of inflammation. Processed meat like sausage, bacon, ham, smoked meat, beef jerky all contain advanced glycation end products. In response to these compounds, our bodies endure inflammation response, especially in the colon. This is linked to high rates of colon cancer due to the increased amount of inflammation. And some inflammation occurs because of the things outside of our control like pollution, injury, and sickness. What we do have control over is the selection of products we eat. It's important to reduce inflammation for your overall wellness and immunity health. According to WebMD, the recommended dietary allowance of vitamins and minerals depends on your age and biological sex. If you are biologically a mix of both male and female, make sure that you are taking a dosage of these vitamins and minerals between the recommended amount for women and men, not over and definitely not under. There are too many to list and keep in mind that only a handful of those vitamins and minerals can benefit your immune system, kind of like vitamin A, C, E, magnesium, zinc, and iron. Now for a brief moment, we can talk about vaccines. So let's get that out of the way right now. Vaccines are harmless doses doses of at least two to four different strains of a specific virus. The cool thing about your immune system is that it has memory of antibodies it has created before. Furthermore, it has the ability to modify antibodies when it comes into contact with a strain of a virus that is similar, but not directly the same. So vaccines help your body build an inventory of antibodies it can use to build more immunity to other viruses. So even though you get sick after getting a flu vaccine, you're sick for a lot less longer with less severe symptoms, all due to the fact that your body isn't empty-handed at fighting another infection. 
At this point in our journey, to understand healthy eating, we should take into consideration what other cultures outside of the U.S. do to increase immune health through food. I think it's always really important to turn an eye to how the other people are doing it. A lot of what we do now as a Western civilization is mostly because it's convenient for money. And it's very unfortunate that we are living in a world today where money is king and that does take a toll on our health. So we kind of have to move outside of the mindset that causes the problem and go into the mindset with the solutions. So Ayurveda is practiced in a lot of different places in the world and it is older than Western thinking when it comes to health. And so um, we're going to get into that right now. So Ayurvedic traditions, when it comes to eating foods, relies on what your dosha is and the seasons of the year. Banyan Botanicals is a great online resource if you would like to take your dosha test to figure out how to eat right for the body type that you have. Ayurveda, Ayurveda <laughs> is an ancient practice of living, older than most Western thinking when it comes to healthcare. When it comes to boosting your health through food, try including the following products fresh fruit, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, and light dairy products. Unprocessed organic foods will directly help your body gain nourishment and optimum health. Immune-boosting spices like turmeric, black pepper, and cumin help release digestion, or actually help increase digestion, burn off toxicity, and clear channels to reach deeper tissues. Apples. Peer, apples, pears, speak... <laughs> Let me try that again. Apples, pears, peaches, plums, sweet pineapple, blueberries, mangoes, they all enhance immunity as they ripen. Leafy greens such as chard, kale, mustard greens, and spinach can be cooked alongside spices. And this makes these vegetables taste great and a really good immune booster. Whole grains like quinoa, barley, amaranth are cleansing fibers that add to the health of our gut. Of course, choosing food for your body type and time of year is also really important, and you must be mindful of this. I can't, again, I can't tell everybody what to what to eat because everybody's different. So I do, I do recommend that you find your dosha. I do recommend that you take the test. And as far as I know, it's still free. You don't have to pay for this. If you go on banyanbotanicals.com, B-A-N-Y-A-N botanicals, B-O-T-I-N. I-C-A-L-S dot com. <laughs> I almost stuttered there. Go on that, take the test, make an account, it's free, and you can get stuff to your email in order to help you gain a little bit more perspective on your diet. Um, but again, you really don't have to listen to a single email if you don't want to. Uh, but again, I, I do recommend that you do this in order to gain a little bit more perspective on yourself, your health, and what you can do about it. We're going to move on to another sort of older um, healthcare system um, other than Western thinking. It's traditional Chinese medicine. And traditional Chinese medicine encourages warm or room temperature liquids for hydration. Cold temperature liquids reduce immunity due to extracting heat from your internal body to digest. Because the immune system can recognize itself and non-self microbes, it is also important to maintain happiness. Happy people have ying qi. Happy people have qian qi, which is positive energy. Positive energy requires you to eat right and work on your mental health. This can be achieved through physical exercise. This will help with your lymphatic system, 
to move excess fluid out of your system to its proper spot. Uh, this happens naturally, but the lymphatic system is actually slow moving. And sometimes what happens as you get older is that your lymphatic system isn't necessarily as effective as it was. So you get an accumulation of fluid buildup, you get an accumulation of toxicity that shouldn't be there. Which means that you do have to get up and moving, and the older you get, the more that you have to try. <laughs> um, not necessarily harder exercises. Even just going for a walk can help influence your immune system. You can do heal-ups or heel-downs. I'm not really sure how to what they're specifically called, but it's essentially when you lift your heel off the ground and then put it back down onto the ground. It's actually strengthening your um, leg muscles. And therefore, when it strengthens your leg muscles, you're actually pushing blood up and you're increasing your circulation. Just by doing that, maybe if you want to do like 20 a day, just naturally, whenever it comes to you, you do 20 a day, heel ups, lifting your heel off the ground and putting it back down. Um, this involves getting on your tippy toes and then putting them back down. Um, it helps. There's all these little kind of things that really don't take a lot of time Um and only take a little bit of effort if you concentrate for about a minute or two. All of these different things could really help your lymphatic system um, process more fluids and therefore it helps you become a little bit more healthy. So not a little bit more healthy, a lot more healthy actually. Lymphatic system is super important. But anyway, uh, meditation can reduce feelings of fatigue, jealousy, anger, as well as other unpleasant emotions. This makes room for peaceful feelings such as gratitude and joy. And the feeling of joy is vital for your body. Healthline published an article in 2017 called How Being Happy Makes You Healthier. And it turns out that if you are happy, you are more likely to choose healthier foods and are more likely to, to be more physically active. One study involving 300 people concluded that people who were least happy were three times more likely to develop a cold. This is huge, guys. Your mentality actually tells your body how to behave. And if you say that you are tired, your brain thinks that you are tired, and therefore your immune system picks up as if you are tired. But the same thing also happens when you say you are happy. If you say that you are happy and you truly believe it, your brain thinks that you are happy, and your immune system will pick up as if you are happy. It's not going to be as sluggish anymore. It can probably believe that it can do anything. And that's really where the magic of your body comes in. It turns out if that you are happy, you are more likely to choose healthier foods and are more likely to be physically active. Being happier means that you are taking the necessary steps to continue to be happy. So it's so important to find your happy spot, even if it's just for an hour a day, 20 minutes a day. I know depression is sometimes the worst joker, but please do not listen to the punchline. You can get through this. We will get through this. Every single one of us will get through this. Another study of 81 university students were given a vaccine. The happier students were nearly twice as likely to have high antibody response. Cortisol levels tend to be lower in happy people as well, so they deal with stress at a reduced level. Higher positive well-being is also linked to longevity and survival. So to summarize here, your immune system is there to protect you. You have the ability to truly impact your own health by exercising, picking the right foods to eat, staying away from harmful chemicals, and not frequenting places that many people will be in regardless of their own health state. You are truly in charge, and taking care of your health will allow you to be free to be you. You can do this. I'm not counting on you, but you 
you are counting on yourself. <laughs> I know that you can do this. I can count on you if you want me to. I can hold you accountable 110% of the way. But really, this is all about you and your ability to take in control your immune system and your health. I really hope you take this challenge up. I'll talk to you in two weeks.